They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Cinebaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations of the New England Synod and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. Joe, here we are, midway through Lent. Hooray. Yay! I'll, oh, wait, we can't say that. You can say hooray. <laughs> I, can say, I was going to say something else that is not supposed to be said during Lent. Yeah, plus we don't like to curse on on the air. Right, right. So how's Lent going for you, Jeff, so far? I'll tell you what. I have been uh, extremely busy, and uh, I was also extremely sick for about 10 days. How about you? The busyness has set in this time of the year, and I have been, I can honestly say it's been a little overwhelming for me, which... You know, all of our listeners out there, we want to apologize that we haven't really put out a episode the last couple of weeks. And for both Jeff and I, not only has Lent been busy, but like Jeff said, he's been sick. And I am thankful that we are halfway to Easter and that as we get closer to Easter, that hopefully uh, things will settle down a little bit. And then once the Easter rush is over, I am going on vacation. So. Hey, that sounds like a good plan. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Advent and Lent both. They're supposed to be these times where you kind of become more introspective and you kind of try to cut things out and kind of weed through all the stuff that kind of, you know, just accumulates in your life. And I don't know, at church, it just seems to get busier and busier. Is, this, is that your experience? Because it certainly is mine. It is. It is. We add more things in for people to participate in. You know, we have our midweek worship services, so there's another sermon to prepare and worship service to prepare. It just seems as though we, we try to take things on and it becomes a little overwhelming. So I definitely feel that way, especially Lent and Advent. But, you know, there's always something going on and it it's. I'm thankful to have a great supportive congregation and friends like yourself and others that just kind of I'm, I'm able to reach out to and uh, touch base with and complain a little if I need to do that. Hey, right back at you, buddy. Hey, um, so what are you doing for midweek Lent this year? During Lent this year, I, I'm talking about different things uh, related to the Reformation and Luther and the 500-year anniversary. So how about you? We're doing similar. Uh, We decided not to do worship this year. We're just doing dinner and conversation. So what we're centering the conversations on are sections of the Luther movie from 2003. Starring Joseph Fiennes of Shakespeare in Love fame. And uh, so we'll watch a little bit of that. And then um, I'm bringing in different documents from the Reformation era. So we did the 95 Theses one week. We did the Freedom of a Christian. We're doing the Babylonian Captivity of the Church. Uh, I want to do Luther and the Jews just because it's a a good topic. Um, We got to own our bad stuff as well as our good stuff. Right. And then I'm actually going to be gone for the last week uh, because it's my father's 70th birthday. So I'm traveling to Chicago to go see him for that. So that'll be fun. So I've got yeah, a sub, somebody from the congregation is going to lead a little piece on justification. So that'll be great. I'm looking forward to him doing that. It'll be good. 
so we're doing that on Thursday nights instead of Wednesdays this year. We're breaking the mold a little bit. So it's interesting because I'm I'm preparing like little lectures more than a sermon. It's just a different kind of preparation. So that's been kind of a fun exercise, but it has been, uh, like we already said, just more to do, you know, so it's uh, researching it, putting together what kind of conversation I want to have with folks and discussion questions and stuff like that. But uh, it's been good. How has that been received, not having worship in a little different style? I think pretty well. Uh, I mean, it's the core group that would come anyway, but last year, well, we tried doing the dinner church thing. Uh, my first year that I came here, and it was widely attended. We had very good participation in dinner church. So we decided last year to do it again, and uh, it seemed more like a annual than a perennial. Right. People got kind of tired of it. So we said, well, maybe the format's not great. Uh, you know, let's play with that a little bit. And then somebody suggested, because um, we have a number of people that participate in Boy Scouts locally, and they meet Wednesday nights. So they said, what if we change the date to Thursday just to see if that helps a little bit? And uh, it seems to be going fine. So, uh, yeah, it's been kind of fun. And then Sunday mornings I've been doing a um, cross-generational thing uh, where we are working through Luther's catechism each week, but we're kind of redoing it in our own words. So I've got these big, uh, they're like Post-it notes, but they're poster board size. So I put people in small groups and they work on you know, one week we did the Ten Commandments, one week we did the Creed, one week we did the prayer, we'll do the sacraments uh, coming up. And uh, I just have them take a look at the section and the Bible verses connected with it and Luther's explanations, and then they come up with what they're going to come up with, kind of put in their own words or what they want to say about it. And then they present it to the big group, and that's been really fun. What's been really fun about it is we've kept all those little posterettes, and they are all over the fellowship hall. So it's kind That's of- great building. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I kind of didn't foresee that ahead of time, but now that it's uh, been a few weeks in, it's been really great. And the people that have been coming have been enjoying it. So that's, and I have too, which has been kind of fun. Yeah, doing those intergenerational type activities is, I think, a great way for people to learn and connect with one another. We are talking about doing uh, something similar, not maybe not necessarily connected to the small catechism, but on a Sunday morning to have uh, folks come together and do more intergenerational activities. And we did that a couple of years ago, and it worked really well. People really enjoyed it. I did a a speed dating type thing where all the adults sat at the tables and then the kids went around from table to table and in groups and I had questions that they would ask one another and just a really great way to uh, for everybody to get to know one another. So those activities are becoming more and more prevalent in our churches. You know, we, we had a great conversation with Rich Melheim and the things that he's doing with intergenerational, multi-generational education. So... Yeah, I remember one of the phrases from that conversation was the wonder of the child and the the wisdom of the elder. And uh, my son, Joe, was with sitting with one of our 94-year-olds. And uh, his comment later in the day when we were together as a family was, I just love her. She's got such great stories. And it was, I'm like, yes, this is why we do this. This is yep. perfect. Yep. So, uh, and, and I know she got a lot out of it, too. So that was really great. How about uh, we're both doing a healing service coming up, too. Uh, That's something our individual congregations are offering. Uh, That's kind of a nice uh, opportunity for folks to come and uh, be prayed for individually for the the things that are ailing them. A significant 
memory for me in growing up, and I might have shared this before, is when I was in, in college, I was going through a really difficult time. Um, I was far away from home. You know, there's some things going on in my family, and and I just really felt down. And I was part of a, a worship service, a student-run, student-led worship service on campus. And part of that, we had a prayer room, and I went in and had someone pray for me with just some of the things that were going on in my life. And it was just a, a moment that I will never forget because I felt so free that I was able to hand everything over to God and to receive God's blessing and know that God was there with me. And it was just miraculous in, in some ways. And I've had a, a couple of experiences like that in my life. And the congregation here, we were talking in, in, a, in a recent worship meeting, and we decided that this is something that w- it was a good time of the year to do it, that we have a, a number of folks in our congregation who could benefit personally from a, a healing service. And we're not looking for any miracles. You know, people aren't going to be falling on the floor and, and having broken arms to be suddenly healed, but just a internal, mental, emotional type uh, situation for people. So ha- have you done this before? What, and what are your experiences from that? Yeah. When I was in Avon, we did it when there was a fifth Sunday in the month, which usually works out to be four times a year. And uh, we connected it to, um, we, well, we had two pastors in that congregation. So we had one pastor kind of service the healing station and one person was uh, doing Eucharist. And we, we set it up at the opposite end of the church so you could receive the healing prayers either on your way up or on your way back from communion. That was kind of the way we set it up there. Okay. Uh, here in this congregation, we we have it um, as its own time in the service. We just basically uh, change the creed, prayers, peace time around a little bit and put it in there um, and have people come up to the front and they kneel. And um, I, I find it pastorally to be a kind of a neat moment of connecting with the people because you get to bless them you know, help them in the way that they're praying and lifting their needs up to God. It's a, it's a kind of an intimate connection that you get to share with people. Um, again, I wouldn't say, yeah, not people flailing on the floor or anything like that, but it's, it's a pretty powerful moment. The last time we did it, uh, we had one of our older folks who has since died, but she just stayed at the altar rail and just kept praying. Wow. And I said, you know, I'm not asking her to move. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know, right. We'll move on to the offering and communion, but if she just wants to stay there, great. And uh, afterwards, she just, I said, how are you? And she said, I just love the Lord. And uh, it was just, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I find those moments kind of kind of neat. We expanded it a little bit to have uh, my lay assistant also offer the healing prayers with the laying on of hands and the oil. That way, it's not just a pastoral thing. It's a it's a ministry of the church. I kind of like that. Yep. So that's good. So there's um, it's a good. We've we decided here to do one during Lent, and we do one in the fall, and we've we've done it in the summer too. I think if I'm remembering correctly, but we'll probably plan to do that this summer anyway. So a few times during the year, it's good. Usually draws, you know, it draws our people, but sometimes uh, people invite their friends and stuff like that to it too. So that's it's a nice community piece as well. Yeah, that's great. I the, the last time I, I did it in a congregational setting was uh, a few years ago when I was at my previous call in, in New York. And uh, yeah, I mean, I stood up there and I 
prayed over people for 45 minutes and it was just, Boy. it was just amazing experience. And, you know, no expectations here. It's the first time that this congregation really is doing something like this. So it could go over really well. Um, or it could, you know, nobody could come up forward, but I suspect people are, will come forward and, um, it'll be a, a good thing and, and hopefully a meaningful thing for the people of the church. So, so yeah, we're doing the healing services. Um, ours, yours is this week. Mine is April 2nd. So yeah, that's, that's a, a good thing, I think. And yeah, we're connecting it with the blind man text. So again, it's not that we expect it to be, um, people to be cured or something like that, but I think it's, I think it's good to connect it to the stories where Jesus touches people, changes their lives. I mean, we, we get to enter it a different way. It's not just an intellectual piece then of, okay, this happened or uh, what's that look like, but to kind of enter into the story ourselves. I like those moments where we can experience the gospel and not just hear about it or learn about it, but participate. Yeah, I actually switched the lectionary around a little bit. I know heresy, but that's, you know, as no, I was No, I do looking, that. I do that from time to time, too. I, I, well, it's about your local parish. You're trying to serve the people there. You got you to gotta offer the word. And, um, you know, the lectionary is a great guide. But sometimes you say, this is going to serve them better. So I don't, I always think that's a good idea. If yeah. Got, I, I changed it. So this past week we did uh, the Lazarus. Uh, raising from the dead, and I moved the Samaritan woman to uh, the healing service. And I did that primarily because it, when I read that text, and this is something that I preached on a few years ago, um, that uh, when the woman who went to the well to meet Jesus, every day she was carrying the burden of getting the water from the well. And mm. when she encountered Jesus, she immediately left and went to tell the world about his love. And it specifically says in the text, she left her jar behind. And in leaving the jar behind, it really symbolizes her leaving her burden behind. She's, you know, all the things that brought her down this world, the stigma of uh, going to the well at high noon by herself, all of that was just gone when she encountered Jesus and she was able to freely go and talk to people and encounter with people and not really have to worry about going to bring that jar to the well by herself at high noon. That's kind of how I'm going to be leading into the healing service is we have those burdens that we carry around. We have those things in our life that are bringing us down, the hurts, the pains, the anger, the frustration of the world. So we are going to be invited to come forward to the cross, to lay those things at the foot of the cross, to have a prayer of healing said and then be anointed by the oil as we encounter Jesus so we can freely go out and proclaim the good news to the world. So that's yeah, a cool connection. I didn't really put that together with it because at the beginning she asks Jesus, how can you offer me living water? You don't even have a bucket. Right, right. That's cool. That's very cool. So I, I'm excited about that, and like I said, I think it'll be a, a, a good uh, service, and uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. How about personally? What are you doing for Lent this year, and how is that? Uh, how's that going midway through? It's going well. So we, so I always have these grandiose plans whenever I think about taking something on or giving something up, making changes in my life, and and. 
I really wanted to simplify it this year and really just take on one thing. And our family is doing what we call a spending fast during the season of Lent. So we are not purchasing anything above and beyond the basic needs of uh, our life. So, you know, that means no going out to eat and no buying of any toys or gadgets or anything. And that's been going pretty well. The one thing my my wife and I did take a trip on Friday and we did go out for lunch, but that was something that we planned and it was a a well-needed trip and I felt okay doing that. But other than that, we have been doing really well. We haven't, you know, gone out to to dinner or whatnot. We're cooking at home. We're spending time, more time, intentional time around the table uh, with one another, just to kind of reconnect with one another in that way. So, so that's what we what I've been doing personally for for Lent. How about you? That's awesome. And yeah, you get special dispensation for going out the other day. You needed that, <laughs> especially um, with my wife. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good. A, a worthy cause. Yeah. <laughs> we are doing um, what's called the 40 bags in 40 days challenge. So we are trying to purge stuff in our home. So we, nice. uh, every day, we are trying to fill up a bag or a box or something of that nature of stuff we can either throw away or give away. Now, I will be completely honest. Tammy is driving 95% of this project. <laughs> even though it was my idea. It's going pretty well. I also decided to take my church office and add it into that um, category. So I've got, I've already gotten rid of one box of books I don't need. I bet I've got a good four or five more boxes of stuff in my office I can pack up and just declutterize in here. I did one day, I just spent a day and filled a recycling bin of paper I don't need in here. Wow. So, you know, I look through and, um, you know, it's March and at the bottom of the pile is, you know, draft bulletins for Christmas. Don't need that. <laughs> don't need that. No, no. I don't know how it works for you, but for me, my office is often an in-between place, in between meetings or in between going to see folks or in between going out to do other stuff. And it, um, it often becomes like a landing spot for my stuff I've just been doing. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So all of a sudden I got all this paper around. It's like, I can't live this way anymore and I just need to purge. So the paper part is done. One box of books is done and there's just a lot of other stuff in here that just needs to go through, including stuff that's been in here from the previous occupant of this office who hasn't worked here in about five years. So I think there's just (laughs) plenty of things to go through. So if I can get good four or five boxes of stuff out of here, that would really add to what we're doing at home, which is, which is good. So we're doing that. We're also, I don't know if you are familiar with the Kindness Diaries, but we uh, are watching that on Netflix. It's by uh, Leon Lagathidis. He decided to kind of just go on an adventure. Um, He was like a Wall Street guy, I think, and he just decided to leave on this trip to try to go all the way around the world without any resources. Oh, wow. And live off the kindness of strangers. And so it's a multi-part, one-season show. So it's pretty good. So, uh, you know, and it's all about the people he meets along the way. And then the little twist at the end, it's a little contrived, I think, but I, but not in a bad way. Is he kind of see one of the people he interacts with, he decides to help them out. So because he actually has resources at home, he, he decides to help them out with whatever good thing that they're kind of doing. So that's kind of cool. So we've been watching that as a family, and uh, I actually 
he's got a book that goes along with it that we uh, we purchased. I haven't read it yet, but I'm intending to. Yeah, we're that's kind of mainly what we're focused on. Trying to declutterize our lives. It's always an issue for me, especially, but uh, it's easy for things to accumulate. And just to try to be a little bit more intentional with our time, because again, you know, for us as pastors, it seems to get busier and busier and busier and busier all the time. And it's just easy to like miss life, actually. So yep. we're trying to we're trying to be intentional about, you know, meal time or at least having conversations with each other. And then the other just grim reality is I was sick for 10 days. So that really put me back just trying to get everything ready that I need to programmatically and preaching wise and church wise and all that stuff. And then working on those projects and just feeling lousy. So. Yeah. Feeling lousy always puts, puts you behind the eight ball because you want to do stuff, but you don't have the energy to do it. So emails pile up and you don't want to get other people sick. So visits pile up and it, it, it becomes difficult. So I'm glad that you're feeling better. I know that you weren't for a while and, uh, yeah, those things sound great. I know that decluttering is always at the top of the list of in good intentions, but Lent is a good time to do that. And I think it falls in with some of the purposes of Lent of just simplifying your life and going back to the basics of prayer and fasting and almsgiving and, and that sort of thing. And it's good that you're not just throwing things out, but you're finding ways to repurpose items or yeah, yeah. to give them away. I, I think that's that's wonderful. Now it would be cool. It would take some uh, concentrated effort for sure. And you would need a team of people, I think. But it would be cool to declutterize the church. And I don't mean just in a like look for all the junk that's sitting around. That's a big project in and of itself. But to really just think about, you know, what are your priorities as a congregation? What are you trying to do ministry wise? And, And is there some clutter there? that could be purged away. I think, I think probably most communities, I think there's probably some stuff that could go, you know, so often we just add stuff, you know, it's, well, we have this Bible study. Maybe we need another one or uh, whatever it is. Yeah. But no, if I, we could that would be focus cool. our, focus our ministries. That would be really something. Yeah. I think the first step is trying to figure out what your mission is and, and right. then how are the things that you are doing supporting that or not supporting that mission. And that's something that I've talked about around here is uh, uh, we have a, a good sense of what our mission is, but really I think we we even need to define that a little bit more and be intentional about the things that we are doing because we do a lot of great stuff. And especially as I tell people around here, I'm the, the I love having ideas and starting new things and I can get a little overzealous with that at times, but to really, like you said, figure out what our mission is and, and does this, does program X support that mission or does it detract, you know, time and energy and resources for doing something that is great and something that quote unquote, we've always done. But if it doesn't support what we're feel like we're being called to do, then as great as that program is, we need to give Maybe that up. To go. Yeah. And that's something that we talked with John Longworth about, you know, when we talked with him and how focused they are on their mission. And he said, you know, if that's an individual project that you want to do, go for it. You know, I'm not going to hold you back, but unfortunately the church can't support that at this time. Exactly. Yeah. I I think it's probably more than just would be nice. It's, It's probably critical, actually, to start having those conversations about what is it we're doing and why. 
and is it accomplishing what we're setting out to do that God is calling us to do? Yeah. And sometimes it's just spinning our wheels. I know, um, like for us here at St. Paul, I mean, we're in the middle of a, a building project. So we've got tons of meetings around that. And we've had um, some of our core leaders doing a tremendous amount of work uh, that I'm grateful for them doing uh, to, to make it happen. And meetings that have to take place with individuals and with contractors and with all that stuff. We're going to have a congregational meeting after Easter to help kind of move things along. And that's all fine and dandy, but it, it's got to fit into what we're trying to do, you know. And uh, I wonder about that sometimes. Do we just do things because we think we should? I mean, I think we're we're pretty focused on we want to be a real community center and we want to gear our building that just needs some love anyway into being more able to accomplish that. And, uh, so that's good. So we just have to keep having those conversations and keep, keep drumming the the beat on, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing and why, you know, the real, real piece about trying to be a presence here in this community. Yeah. I think we could all probably do that. Just kind of ask, do an audit, you know, yeah. If if this if this ministry didn't happen, what would that mean or who would miss it? You know, what resources does it take and and why? Right. Yeah. And I th- I think that that why question is critically important. There's I do too. Uh the Simon Simon Sinek. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen his TED Talk or saw his book, but uh he yeah, has a book Start with Why and you know, you start on the outer circle of what do we do? So we're, we we can really say what we do. We we worship together. We have fellowship. These are these are our what's. Um, uh, how do we do it? So how do we how do we worship? We gather on Sunday mornings and we uh, pray with one another and sing and we get together in fellowship times with potluck dinners and we have Sunday school for education and Bible studies. Like how we do it? What what do we do? How do we do it? But then the the middle of it, which many of us forget about or don't talk about or don't know how to answer, is the the why. And that's and the why is what should be driving those other things. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Why why do we have why do we have potluck dinners? You know what what purpose is that? The best way to to do things, or should dinners be be catered? Or you know why do we worship on Sundays? You know is that the best time? Why do we have Christian education? You know on Sunday mornings. Uh, why do we do Christian education at all? You know why do we do a, a feeding program? I mean, we could say yes, th- these are great things to do, and and we can say oh they're so important, but if we can't answer the why, then maybe they're not as important, or maybe they don't fit into our overall mission. And I'm sure many of the stuff does, but if, if we can't talk about it, then, you know, that's, that's another issue that we need to, we need to address. Yeah. So we're halfway through Lent and, uh, Easter is coming and, uh, what kind of things you have going on for Easter? We will have, uh, Palm Sunday, you know, Holy, Holy week, uh, Palm Sunday. We have a uh, Monday, Thursday service. We have a Good Friday service. We also participate in the community Good Friday uh, service. That's an ecumenical service. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to look yet. Uh, we, we've talked about a couple of different things. And then we've had, we're, we are having an Easter vigil service, and I'm excited about that. Uh, it's one of my favorite services of the year, and I've told my folks, you know, it's great to do uh, I really want to do it when we do have baptisms and, and we get people excited and energized and we do have four baptisms scheduled for that for that service. Yeah, so 
Uh, I'm excited about that. And then uh, my parents are actually coming in that Saturday, and then we'll have Easter morning uh, worship services, and then I'm sure we'll go out to dinner with my parents or something for for Easter Sunday. And uh, yeah, and then like I said earlier, we are headed off on a vacation. So the YMCA camp in Silver Bay, New York, offers a respite program for pastors and their family. And uh, April vacation, the last probably four or five years, our family has taken advantage of that. We go up to Silver Bay for the week. There's no programming. Uh, there's not many people there, and it's just warm enough outside where you can do some some good stuff outside. We play shuffleboard. We play uh, frisbee golf. There's a gym. And then we also take some time just to relax as a family, do puzzles, and, and reconnect after a, a busy Easter season. So uh, we'll, we'll be doing that again and be up, up at Silver Bay for about a week or so. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah. How does the rest of your Lent and, and Holy Week and Easter look? Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So on Palm Sunday, we also have a big breakfast. We do a, a Palm Sunday breakfast rather than an Easter breakfast. And the youth use that as a fundraiser for their summer mission trip. So that's okay. usually a really good turnout and uh, really just a nice time for people to be together. Um, having done both Easter breakfasts and Palm Sunday breakfasts, I really like the Palm Sunday breakfast model because people aren't like trying to scoot off to see family later. You know, yep. it's, it's it's really just a church day rather than the the holiday aspect of it. So uh, that works out really great. And then Holy Week, we have uh, Thursday night. We do a different kind of service where I set up different kind of prayer stations throughout the sanctuary because we have um, movable chairs. Okay. So we have like an icon. We'll have a drawing station. There's a place people can write notes or cards to God. We have a place with candles like we have out at uh, Ash Wednesday to remember a loved one. And we usually do a couple of others. Uh, we did a confession stand last year. It was really powerful for the few people that participated in that. So it was just me behind a veil and we sat one-on-one. So we do that on Thursday night and then, of course, uh, communion stripping of the altar. And then on Friday, we in town do a crosswalk. So we have we gather here at the church and we have a cross that we take with us and some readings. And so we take turns uh, carrying the cross and take turns reading the readings and um, and the prayers. So it's all John's passion narrative. And, uh, you know, we, we walk from church into town, walk around town, walk back, interact with people along the way. Sometimes people join us uh, for part of it. So that's that's kind of a fun fun thing to do. Uh, fun's maybe not the right word, but I like it because it's, it's a out, outside the building kind of thing. Yep. And um, this year uh, we decided also to make some soup and um, have a meal afterwards for those who participated in it. And then we're going to take that. Um, we're going to take some of the soup to some of our shut-ins as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that'll be good. And then we have a an evening uh, Tenebrae service on Good Friday. We don't have a vigil on Saturday. And then Sunday morning we do, with the congregational church in town on the beach, we do a sunrise service, and then we have two services ourselves, which is the big hoopla. And then we're going to have a party at our house. I don't know who's coming to it yet. Uh Maybe our neighbors. We've had people come visit before. Who knows? Whoever's around, we'll have something fun. We'll last 
couple of years we've actually gotten to go outside. It's been so nice. That's I'm great. So, I mean, nothing over the top. I think last year we grilled burgers or something like that, but it was just fun to be outside and hang out and just kind of enjoy the day after all of the focus of Holy Week. And uh, for us, we have spring break from school during Holy Week this year, which a lot of families like, but not pastor families. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll be really busy, and the kids will be home, and I won't see them much, and that's kind of a bummer. And then they're back to school on Monday. So I've always that's hated that. That's, for us. that's happened yeah, a couple of times, too. you know, and it's just, what do you got to do? But then we're going up to Calumet. Uh, it's our confirmation camp weekend, the Sunday after Easter. So we'll have a group going up there. I'm going to go for part of it, and then we come back, or I'm coming back for Sunday morning. We're going to have one service and a congregational meeting afterwards because we're making some building project decisions. So, so I need to be there for that. So we'll be kind of right back on uh, on track as far as uh, focus on ministry right away. So. And it doesn't seem to really ever slow down. Even, you know, we talk about how busy <laughs> we are during during Lent and, and whatnot, but then, you know, we, we get right back into it. Um, I used and, to tell young pastors it's the great lie. After Easter, it slows down. After Christmas, it slows down. During the summer, summer, it, it slows, slows down. It never slows down. Never slows it just, down. It just, your energy just goes in maybe a few different directions or your focus is a little different, but it's yeah. just as busy. Yeah. Just as busy. How about to stay sane during Lent? What are you doing to just kind of um, keep Sabbath? Are you are you keeping Sabbath? <laughs> I'm not doing a very good job at that, to be honest. Um, yeah, me neither. You know, like I said before, I tend to want to take on a lot. I wanted to do a little bit more intentional reading during Lent and just uh, some quiet time. Some I have a, a devotional that I pulled out a Bonhoeffer-based um, devotional that I thought would be really cool to go over. And like I said before, I, I just, it's been so busy between church stuff and home stuff and community stuff. It, it just really hasn't slowed down at all. And I've been really bad about that. So I haven't, but I know that uh, the remainder of Lent, I'm going to be putting uh, time into that and and uh, making some some decisions in my life to cut some things out um, so I can really focus on being a good pastor, a good dad, a good husband, and being good to myself. So that's going to be a really big focus for, for me. Yeah, I struggle with that too. I mean, I'm usually pretty good about, I usually take Friday off, so I'm usually pretty good about that. But Lent is, it seems there's things that creep in. And uh, especially with having been sick, I just feel like I'm really behind the eight ball. But what I've been enjoying, and honestly, is uh, rereading some of these old Luther documents since I've been preparing them for these Thursday night things. So that's been kind of fun. That's cool. Uh, and probably going down the rabbit hole more than I need to for those conversations, but it's been fun from a personal study perspective. So I've been enjoying that. That's been good. And then are you uh, finding time to, to take off after uh, Easter and whatnot, or is that just uh, not possible not because so of school break? Yeah, not so much. We're just going to kind of hammer through. So I don't think we're really taking any breaks until summer. Okay. So, I mean, we'll have, um, I have meetings. I mean, I've got a dean's retreat up in New Hampshire, but that's work-related. And then I've got Senate Assembly, but that's work-related. Those are little junkets to get away, but there's still 
still work being done. Yep. Yep. But uh, in the summertime, we are going out west. It's our 20th wedding anniversary. So us and the kids and a couple of our parents are coming along. We're going to go to Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons and Glacier National Parks. Nice. So that's kind of on our our topic list of planning for that. So that kind of gives us all something at home to look forward to. So we've been talking a lot about that lately. So that's kind of fun. That's awesome. Even though it's still a few months away. Good. Well, I'm glad we were able to have this mid Lent check-in with one another. And yeah, me too. It's been, it's been good. So those of you who are listening to this uh, podcast, we would love to hear from you about how your Lent is going. So feel free to reach out to us uh, on social media, either on Facebook. You can leave a comment under the post of, of this podcast, or you can go to our website, twobaldpastors.com, and leave a comment there. We'd love to hear um, how your Lent has been going, and if there's anything that uh, Jeff and I can do to support you during that uh, this time of the year. So please leave a, a comment for us or uh, a message, send us a message on uh, Facebook. And once again, my name is Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And we are the Two Bald Pastors, helping you connect your faith with your life. Take care and be blessed. Bye now. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. This past week, I talked about... Oh my goodness, what did I talk about? Uh, remembering things. Remembering <laughs> the remembrance of things. Yeah, things things you gotta focus on no matter oh, what. Crap. I can't remember what I <laughs> talked about. That's kinda sad. Hey, it's the brain. You got a brain <laughs> bubble going.